I invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to finish chapter 20 this morning and get into the first bit of Matthew chapter 21. Our series in the Gospel of Matthew is called Following Jesus. And this is our 54th message in this series. We've been studying Matthew since December of 2017. Did you know that? This is the 54th message, and we've been in Matthew since December of 2017. Of course, we've taken a number of breaks along the way. But we've been carefully studying this theological biography of the most extraordinary and compelling person who has ever lived. Matthew tells us, and he shows us, who Jesus really is. And that compels us to follow him. We're nearing the end of the book. There's quite a bit left, eight big chapters, but we've reached that extended last section of Matthew that is often called the Passion Narrative, or the story of Holy Week. This is something Christians often emphasize in the spring to go along with church holidays, Palm Sunday, Easter, Resurrection Sunday. But we can study it any time because it's always in our Bible, it's always applicable and always relevant. So for the next few months, we're going to be studying together what I want to call Jesus's crucial week. Jesus's crucial week, quite literally, because he was crucified in that crucial week. Today's passage has a lot of shouting in it. In the three short stories that, about Jesus that we're about to read, several groups shout at Jesus. In fact, they're shouting for Jesus. They're not mad at him. They want something from him, or they are proclaiming who he is very loudly. They're excited enough to shout. When was the last time you shouted, and why was it? Maybe at a ball game? Shouting from the stands or shouting at your TV? Or maybe you were shouting at someone who was in danger, afraid for a child who was heading out into the road. Or maybe you wanted to get someone's attention who was far away, across the street or across the yard or across the lake. When was the last time you shouted? In all three of these short stories, the shouters use a particular name for Jesus. They're shouting out his name, and it's a particular title of Jesus, one of his many appropriate titles. Last week, Jesus was using his favorite title for himself. What was that title we looked at last week? Son of Man. The Son of Man, that mysterious, powerful figure from the Old Testament that will come and reign and rule in glory. But Jesus said that he was actually a different kind of Son of Man than anybody expected. He was the suffering Son of Man. He was the serving Son of Man. Soon, the title at the center of the discussion in the Gospel of Matthew will be the Son of God. When we get to chapters 26 and 27... That's the title of Jesus that gets bandied back and forth there. Son of God. Are you really the Son of God? If you're the Son of God, that's going to be the title that is emphasized in 26 and 27. But this week, at the end of 20 and the first part of 21, the title being emphasized is Son of David. These people are shouting for the Son of David. What does it mean that Jesus is the Son of David? By the way, this idea of being the son of David has been a major theme running through the Gospel of Matthew. What is the very first thing that Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 1? Do you remember? I know it was December 2017. Do you remember anything from 
December 2017. This is the first verse of Matthew. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Matthew 1.1, Matthew 1.20, Matthew 9.27, Matthew 15.2. This title keeps coming up again and again in Matthew. What does it mean? Son of David. Well, literally, it means that Jesus was a descendant of King David. He is great David's greater son. Now, that's going to be contested a little bit later here in this crucial week. Wait till you see in chapter 22 how Jesus fights with the Pharisees about Psalm 110 and this title, Son of David. Jesus is great David's greater son, a direct descendant of King David. But that title means more than just that he's in the family. It means that he is the heir of the throne and the great king who was promised to Israel. In other words, Jesus is the Messiah. He's not just the son of man, but the son of David and the heir of all the promises that were made to David and his royal dynasty. That's a big title. These are big shoes to fill, son of David. Let's see how Jesus fills them. Because as you might expect by now, Jesus likes to do the unexpected. He is the son of David, but not necessarily a son of David like anyone ever thought there would be. I'm going to read to you the first three verses, Matthew 20, 29, 30, and 31, and then we'll pray. And then we'll see what these folks think is worth shouting about. Are you with me? Matthew 20, 19. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that I would not be a distraction in either delivery of the sermon or anything I've prepared to say, but that everything that I say would focus people, focus all of us on Jesus Christ. He is glorious and good. He is powerful. He is righteous. He's everything we've sung about in those songs we sang today. And we have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. So help us to see who it is we're following. Who it is we're singing about. Who's worth shouting about. The son of David. We pray it in his name. Amen. He's almost to Jerusalem. New Jericho, built near the old one, where Jesus' ancestor Rahab had once lived, New Jericho is about 15 miles from Jerusalem. It's at the bottom of the hill. To get up to Jerusalem, you start climbing up 3,500 feet. Up, up, up towards Jerusalem. Towards that fatal week. Matthew had just told us that Jesus expects to give his life as a ransom for many. His disciples didn't understand what that means. But we do looking back on it. Jesus certainly knew. And he's still going. Up, up, up towards Jerusalem. 
And he's got this big crowd following him. Do you see the picture? Jesus is going up towards Jerusalem. There's this great big crowd behind him. Now just because they're following him doesn't mean they're his followers. They follow, but they don't follow, if you follow me. You understand what I'm saying? Because crowds are fickle. But there's a lot of witnesses, anyway, for what happens next. Two blind guys, Mark tells us that one of, his, one of them was named Bartimaeus, are sitting by the roadside. Now, what do they see coming down the road? That's a trick question, right? They don't see anything. They're blind. And yet they do. They see, not with their eyes, but with their hearts, that Jesus is the Son of David. They shout, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. There's plenty of people who see Jesus with their own eyes and who miss who he really is. The Pharisees are like that, right? When we get to chapter 23, Jesus is going to call them blind guides, which is a really sick burn. But these guys who are blind could be guides to the identity of Jesus. Lord! What does that word mean? It means king, right? Son of David, meaning Messiah, the promised one. Great David's greater son. Have mercy on us. And look at that crowd. The crowd rebukes the blind men. Did you see that when I read that? They certainly weren't following him. These guys, they're a nuisance. They're just getting in the way, slowing things down with their shouts. But I love what these guys do. When the crowd rebukes them, what do they do? They shouted all the louder. I almost titled this message, All the Louder. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. What a great prayer. You know, that's something you can pray any day. It's a prayer for help. It's a prayer for aid. It's a prayer for salvation and rescue. It's a prayer for healing. And it's directed to the right person. Look what Jesus does next. Verse 32. Jesus stopped and called them. He stopped. The whole parade stops. Clunk. All the crowd kind of backs up, you know. What's he going to do next? What do you want me to do for you, he asked. I love that. I'm sure he already knows. But he wants them to say it. These guys don't want money. They want Jesus to be the son of David. They want him to be the Messiah for them. To do what Isaiah 35.5 said the Messiah would do. He would heal the eyes of the blind. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And now see this, verse 34. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. They really followed him, not like the crowd. They really got behind him. They became his disciples. No turning back. No turning back. Here's what was worth shouting about to these guys. The son of David is full of mercy. They cry out for mercy, and what do they get? Mercy. Verse 34 says that Jesus had compassion. Matthew has told us this about Jesus again and again. How many times have we seen that Jesus is full of compassion? Matthew 9.35, Matthew 14.14, Matthew 15.32. You remember that word for compassion comes from the word for guts, 
right? It's a play on the word for guts. That Jesus hurt in his gut over their plight. That he had his guts wrenched in pity and sympathy. It wasn't just like Jesus was going by and he was like, oh yeah, you get a healing and you get a healing and you get a healing. No, when he saw these guys and he heard their cries, he went, oh, yes. He touches their eyes and they can see. Because he's the son of David. Jesus keeps doing this, healing the blind, again and again in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 9.27, Matthew 11.5, Matthew 12.22, Matthew 15.30, and soon Matthew 21.14. Jesus gives sight to the blind. Guess what that means? Jesus is the son of David. I think that's worth shouting about. And he's full of mercy and compassion. And that's good news for our prayer lives, isn't it? These guys are a model for us of persistent prayer. They knew who Jesus is and they asked Him to do Messiah things in their lives. Are you doing that? Are you asking to do Jesus to do Messiah things in your life? Now there's no promise that He will answer every single prayer we utter with a yes. Or at least not, not right away. But He's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. You don't have to manipulate him into mercy. You just have to ask in faith. And that's especially true for spiritual eyesight. If you call out to Jesus to have your spiritual eyes opened, you will find that he is rich with mercy. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now the last time that Jesus healed two blind guys in the Gospel of Matthew, the very next thing he did, what was the very th next thing he did? Anybody remember? He told them what? To be quiet about it. Don't tell anybody. It's a, shh, it's a secret. He heals their blind eyes and then he says, shh, don't tell anybody. Well, we have reached the crucial week when the secret is now out. Jesus is no longer clandestine. Jesus now reveals himself. It's Messiah time. Jesus goes public. And he goes public in the most public way. Look at chapter 21, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. So clearly Jesus has a plan. I don't know if this is a supernatural foreknowledge or if he secretly arranged this in advance in more natural ways. But Jesus is clearly in charge here and he's ready to carry the title Lord. Did you catch that? He says, if they ask, tell him the Lord needs them. You see how he's requisitioning these animals? Because Jesus is now going to ride into town. Friends, this is the big reveal, right? This is, this is it. He's going to show himself who he is. Here comes the son of David riding on a mighty war horse. No. No? He's going to ride into town on what? Checks notes. A donkey? On the symbol of peace? Couldn't he found a, a bigger and a more impressive ride? A little donkey colt? With its mama? 
That's Air Force One? Matthew knows why he did it. It's because of Matthew's favorite word, fulfill. Look at verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah 9.9. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Yes, he's the son of David. But he's a son of David like nobody was expecting. But they should have been. He comes in meek. That's what the word gentle means in verse 5 there. He's meek. He's, he's lowly and humble. He's taking the second place. Everything that we've been talking about in the last three messages with his first and last theology, right? Jesus is taking the last. He's showing himself humble. He's taking the lower spot He's not coming in all guns a-blazing and fireworks on a tank. He's coming in like the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Not like the glorious son of man in Daniel 7. He's both. But right here he comes in not just full of mercy, but full of meekness. And friends, that's worth shouting about. So they do. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them, on the cloaks, on the little colt. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! How many people do you think lived in Jerusalem at that time? Anybody want to guess? It's in the tens of thousands. Guess. About 70,000, historians estimate. 70,000 people live in Jerusalem. What happens in state college... On game day. This is Passover. Historians estimate that there were 250,000 people in Jerusalem on Passover that year. A very large crowd is laying down their cloaks and spreading out palm branches. This is Sunday, by the way. We call it Palm Sunday. We call this the triumphal entry. They're rolling out the red carpet. Actually, it's a green carpet, right? And they are shouting, save us! That's what Hosanna means. It means save! Which, is, which came to be like a praise, right? We, we use Hosanna to mean praise. It's like save! This is our Savior! He's going to save us! Praise Him! Praise this one! Everybody's shouting. Hosanna to whom? To the son of David. This is the Messiah. This is the one who was promised. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Do you hear it? Can you imagine? Now here they're quoting from Psalm 118. We looked at that more closely back in, on Palm Sunday 2018. They don't care he's on a baby donkey. They care that he is the son of David. Point number two. The son of David is the arriving 
king. The son of David is the arriving king. Now here's what I found amazing this week as I read this. Jesus doesn't stop them. Just think about that. Jesus accepts all this adulation. He's humble. He's meek. He's lowly. He's riding the colt, right? He's riding on the donkey. But he doesn't shut down the crowds. He's not like, oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't redirect them. He doesn't point to somebody else. He rides in and he receives all these shouted praises because he is the son of David. These praises are not over the top. He's not like, oh, no, 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 it's too much, it's too much. These, These praises are not inappropriate. They are appropriate. These are appropriate shouts. What's the application of that for our lives today? Jesus is Lord. We should be bowing down to Him. We should be laying out the green carpet for Him. So many of our personal problems will be solved simply by submitting to Jesus as Lord. I see a lot of people who say they are followers of Christ, but they don't live like He is their King. If we really believe that Jesus is the arriving king, then we will organize our lives around him. We'll cry out to him for mercy. We'll follow his example in meekness. And we'll recognize his lordship over every single area of our lives. We'll hand over every single area of our lives. Just like that owner did those donkeys. The Lord needs them. He's the king. Let me ask you, what area of your life is dangling out there, unsubmitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Son of David? What are you saying? Well, he can have all of this, but not this over here. I'm going to keep that for me, just in case. Jesus is the Son of David. He is the arriving King, and he's coming back. And next time when he comes, it will not be on a donkey. Submit yourself to him. Yoke yourself to him. He's gentle and meek. He gives rest to your soul, but he calls the shots. I have decided to follow Jesus. To follow him wherever he takes me. The son of David is the arriving king. And that's worth shouting about. Because not everybody has gotten the message. Look at verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, all 250,000 of them, and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. See, some people have not yet gotten the memo that he's the son of David. Notice how Matthew keeps, has brought us back to the identity of Jesus once again. What, what has been our phrase through Matthew? Keep your eye on the ball, right? Matthew keeps his eye on the ball. There's 250,000 people in this town asking, who is this? And Jesus is popular at this point, but they're all, all they're sure of is that he's some kind of a prophet. Well, that's right, he is. But he's so much more. 
And now he's going to show them. Look at verse 12. By the way, most scholars believe that verse 12 happens on Monday of Jesus' crucial week. So we've moved from Sunday into Monday. Verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. He doesn't say it. But I think that Jesus was shouting there. This is the second time that he's done this sort of thing. The first time was early in his ministry, according to the Gospel of John. Now here he is again, flipping over tables. I saw this table up here this morning, and I thought, what if I went up there and went, bam! That would have got their attention, right? Well, he was getting their attention. Jesus is not just merciful. He is not just meek. He's also mad. He is righteously angry about what these people are doing in his temple. These folks had set up a market in the court of Gentiles. It wasn't supposed to be there. This was a place of prayer for the nations, but they had turned it into a shopping center. They were probably also cheating people right there in the temple. By the way, Jesus is going to spend a lot of time in the temple during this crucial week. Here he is protesting their profiteering, crowding out the place of prayer. Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11, as he does it. This is both a cleansing and a cursing. He's cleansing the temple of its corruption, but he's also symbolically predicting the overthrow of the temple in the judgment to come. He's going to say more about that, which we'll read as the week unfolds. Here's Here's what's worth shouting about. The son of David deserves pure worship. The son of David deserves pure worship. Let me ask you a question. Where is the temple right now? We are the temple right now, aren't we? So the question is, what's going on in our hearts? Our hearts should be a house of prayer, of relating to God. What are we making them into? I've never noticed in my whole life what happens next. Matthew 21, 14 just blew me away this week when I studied it. Look at verse 14 of 21. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Did you ever see that before? I never saw that before. This is what happens right after he cleanses the temple. The blind and the lame come to him in the temple and he heals them. He's showing them what a house of prayer should look like. Jesus is not out of control. He's flipping tables, but he's not flipping out. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. That's the sequel to the cleansing of the temple. Notice that Jesus doesn't get thrown out. Jesus starts healing people like the Lord of the temple, like he owns the place. They're coming to him and he's acting like the son of David should. And out of nowhere, a children's choir sprouts up and they start singing. They start shouting. The kids see what Jesus is doing and they start shouting the same thing that they heard everybody shouting on the road on Sunday, yesterday. Hosanna to the son of David. They know what's up. 
It was like family Bible week. All the kids were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law don't like it one bit. Look at verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting, there's our word, shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Notice what gets these guys upset. Are they mad about the tables and the trade? Probably. That's not what they talk about. Are they mad about the healing of the blind and the lame in the temple? Yes. They look at these wonderful things he's doing and they get mad. Were these sorts of people supposed to be in here? The lame, the blind? What are they doing in the temple? And they are so indignant, the mo- they get the most indignant that Jesus is getting praise as the son of David. Keep your eye on the ball. Do you hear what these children are saying? They ask Jesus. Verse 16, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read, O leaders, Psalm 8, verse 2, from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? Mic drop. And he left them, and he went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. That's quite a statement Jesus just made, isn't it? He turns on his heel after he says it, and he goes, because he's dropped the mic. He's saying that these children are right. That the Old Testament said they should do that. The Old Testament said that they should praise God. It's ordained that they are right to shout like that. But notice what that means about who Jesus is. Do the math. According to Psalm 8, who are the children supposed to praise? God. And who is Jesus applying that to in Matthew 21? Himself. Jesus is claiming to be God. He's not just the son of David, he's the son of God. It is right for the children to praise him like this. And if it's right for the children, how much more for everyone else? That's why we've been doing what we've been doing this morning and singing these hymns. The son of David deserves pure worship. Not just admiration, not just respect, but worship. Pure worship. We need to repent of anything in our hearts that doesn't belong like a cash register in the court of the Gentiles. And we need to give Jesus our whole hearts because he is the son of David, full of mercy, arriving as king, deserving of pure worship. I don't know about you, but I think that's worth shouting about. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for anybody here who has not yet trusted Jesus as their Savior, that they would cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. I pray that each person here would know Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. He is the arriving King. And He's coming back again. I pray that we would ready ourselves for his return by cleansing this temple 
of anything that doesn't belong. Rooting out idolatry, rooting out greed, rooting out any unsubmitted area of life and submitting it, every area of life, to the king. Because he deserves our pure worship. It's right and righteous to raise his praise and turn our eyes upon Jesus and bring glory to him. Would you do that in our hearts, Lord? We pray it in his name. Amen.